The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. And welcome to the POD cast. We are back, baby. The quarantine is still going on, but we're still here bringing you content to your ears. Detroit Lions content, that is. And this week is going to be no different. We are going to be talking Lions roster battles. We're going to go up and down that roster, talk about some starting jobs that are on the line, maybe some depth roles that still need to be filled, or it's going to have a couple team players fighting for them. But before we get into that, let's get into our introductions. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor here at Pride of Detroit and an interim coach for this POD cast with me. Not Ryan. He's not with us right now, but wink, wink might be joining us a little bit later. Instead, my partner in crime for this episode, probably haven't heard from him in a while. It's Michael Payton at under. Oh my God. I screwed up your at POD underscore Payton on Twitter. There it is. Mike, welcome back, bud. Hey, it's, it's Detroit lion on. <laughs> how dare you? Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> Mike, how, how have you been holding up in the past month or two? You doing all right? I'm so bored. I'm so unbelievably bored. <laughs> I, I've been playing uncharted and that's, that's pretty much all I've done this entire time. Well, before we get into our podcast, I, I want, I want to promote your podcast because it's not, I would what? not consider it a competing podcast at this point, uh, unless you, you have some sort of weird spinoff episode, but it's my understanding that there is a new Michael Payton podcast out there. What are y'all talking about? Brand spanking new hit Spotify today and uh, it'll be on Apple and Google and all that stuff when they allow us to be on there, but it's called the fresh cast. And we are going to, my friend Greg and I are going to be going through the entire fresh Prince of Bel-Air catalog. We're going to be going episode by episode, going over everything that's on the show, dropping some facts Track and story development, character development. Uh, we recorded the first episode today. And like I said, it's out. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Give us a follow at uh, at the Freshcast, and then uh, check us out. All right, Spotify, on the Freshcast. All you Will Smith, Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Go subscribe right now. Leave a review. 
do all that fun stuff. But now it's now time for Will Smith's talk. It's time for Detroit Lions talk. And as I tease at the top, we are talking Lions roster, Lions roster battle specifically. Uh, and let's start with starting jobs because I'm curious um, what what you think, Mike. But based on my count, I think we really only have one, two, three, four starting jobs maybe up for grabs. Everything is else is, is kind of up for grabs. So here's what I'm thinking. Running back, which we'll get to in a second. Both guard positions, I would say, are probably up for grabs. Linebacker, I would say the the Jack linebacker position is probably up for grabs. And then safety, maybe. So that's four or five. Am I missing anything there? Well, I wouldn't say it's so much of a roster battle, but I am kind of interested in, you know, how the corners are going to lay out. Yeah. I know that right now we're all kind of sure it's going to be Okuda and Trufant, but... You know, who knows? Who yeah. knows if, if Trufant is going to turn out to be what we think he is. And I mean, it also might be an issue of like, and, and maybe it doesn't even matter. And it, it only matters to, to fans in terms of classifying, but like who's cornerback one, who's cornerback two. And that is Jeff Okuda come right. in right away in training camp. And he's, he's against, you know, he's lined up against Kenny Galladay in training camp right away. Maybe. Or is it Trufant with, with nine years of experience? We'll see, but let's, let's jump to running back. Let's start with, I think a a conversation. I know this question has been asked in our mailbag just about every week, but carry on Johnson versus uh, Swift. Who is going to be the starter in week one? Who's going to start the majority of the games. Do you think this season, do you think Swift will immediately come in and swipe it from carry on? Or do you think it's going to be more of a 50, 50 split or, or how do you see this running back thing playing out both from the start of training camp and throughout the season? Well, sort of judging on Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia's past, I would say that they would start carry on Johnson to mm-hmm. start the season. But as things go on, I would see maybe Swift taking over that role. I think that what Swift can do is is going to be better than what carry on can do. Um, but I still see this as being sort of a quarterback or excuse me, running back by committee type of situation where most Carbrell also hangs around and, and they, you know, they just kind of uh, everybody, they, they share the carries essentially, but I think it's Swift who is going to be sort of that bell cow, sort of that uh, guy that's going to be handling most of the load. Yeah. And it, it's kind of a tough situation to, to kind of quantify because the coaching staff has been very clear from when carry on carry on was drafted. They're just like, listen, we're not going to treat anyone as a 25 to 30 carries per game kind of guy. We don't want that. That's not really how the NFL works. There's only a handful of guys. If that, that can do that at the NFL level. And I don't see any of those guys being on the Lions roster right now that can, that is capable of that. That being said, you don't draft a guy 35th overall, unless he's your feature back. I think I don't know how soon it's going to happen, but I think it's going to happen sooner rather than later. I think you have to, you have to remember Deandre Swift is this offensive coaching staff's draft pick. Carry on Johnson came before um, Daryl Bevel was in town. He came before Kyle Kasky was in town before most of these offensive coaches were in Detroit. So that means the offensive coaches were probably pounding the table for this guy. They were probably pounding the table for Deandre Swift and be like, listen, we need a running back who gives us multiple dimensions in the receiving game in the running game, whatever you want. And I think for better or worse, DeAndre Swift is your starter, maybe even as, as, as early as week one. 
Yeah, I think I think that uh, you know I think that they look at him kind of as uh, maybe even like a Marshawn Lynch type of running back with what Bevel was able to do with him in Seattle. But again, I I just you draft a guy who has so little carries uh, because you want him to fit in with the rest of a group that are going to share the carries. I mean, if if you wanted a guy that was going to be you know your bell cow, your every down back, then they probably would have taken Taylor. But I just see this as as a running back by committee, but with with the uh, DeAndre, you know, spearheading the entire effort. Yeah, I I, I don't. I, I think I think we're pretty much on the same page there. So let's move to the guard positions because it's it's not very clear what the Lions are are planning to do there right now. They obviously drafted two guys um, in Jonah Jackson and Logan Stenberg. Um, they bring back a whole bunch of other guys, including Kenny Wiggins, Ode Abushi. Um, you got Joe Dahl, who was the starter at left guard last year. Um, but let's start. Let's start on that left side. Do you think Joe Dahl's position as the starting left guard is, is under any threat this year? No, I think he's pretty solid there. Uh, I, 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 but I do think that what happened last year with with uh, Glasgow and and Wiggins rotating in and out, I think yeah. that is indicative of what this team is going to do. Uh, with both guard spots this year. I, I think that they're building up depth. Obviously they, they drafted two guys, uh, two guards and, um, you know, picked up a, a, another one uh, in, in big V who can play guard. So it's, it's really, I, I think they're going to do a sort of a rotational thing all year long, just to kind of keep guys in and out. And I think maybe that's why they, they let Graham Glasgow leave even though it was such a dumb thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, if, if your plan is to continue to rotate guys, then yeah, don't pay one of those guys 14 million a year to only play 60 to 70% of snaps. Like that would be a bad investment. The question is like, why would you do that guard rotation? If you have a guy good enough to not rotate. And I think that all goes to the question of why are they doing the guard rotation? Are they doing it because they don't have starters at either position? They have guys that they like to filter in and out. Is it because they think they're getting some sort of competitive advantage where they they're, they're fine even rotating a worse guy in there just because it throws the defensive line off. Um, Everything we conventionally know about football says that that's not true. Like offensive line is all about chemistry and chemistry is all about, continuity and so if you're rotating guy all in and out doesn't seem like that's sound strategy in terms of rotating your best guys out occasionally but this coaching staff has proven to proven to be a little i don't know uh awkward and and and, and not necessarily by the book uh in terms of of the, the NFL today, but in terms of who I think is at left guard, I do think it's Joe Dahl's job to lose. I don't think Logan Stenberg is going to walk in here and, and be a starter from, from uh, week one. I don't think he really starts a game at all this year, unless injuries happen just because um, he came from an offense that only ran the ball. And, and while the lines are, are going to want to run the ball a heck of a lot this year, um, they're also going to want to pass it. And they're also going to want to going to want to protect Matthew Stafford because he's the biggest investment on the team. And putting that in Logan Senberg's hands, at least a little bit at left guard, I think is a big risk. So I think Logan rides the pine for his, his rookie year, and I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. Um, but I, I do think the guard rotation is something to keep an eye on. I'm not convinced they're going to do it. Um, it would be weird for me to to see the team spend two day two picks on guards if they're 
if their basic understanding of the guard position is that we need to rotate it all the time. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's definitely something to think about. Yeah. It almost seems as if, uh, they're a little scared because they, you know, they have dealt, this is a team that's dealt with a lot of offensive line injuries in the past few years. Yep. Uh, particularly they had a lot of pro- trouble with TJ Lang. Um, so I think that this is a team that, that thinks that if they rotate guys consistently and keep fresh players in there at all times, that they're going to, I guess, sort of avoid the injury problem. But as you said, it, it really, you know, chemistry really means a lot. And if you got guys, four guys that are working together all the time, that's going to sort of trump the idea of some other guy coming in half the time. But, you know, if you have, if you have this group that is consistently used to rotating as opposed to just rotating one player out, I don't know, maybe you get something out of that. Um, it, it's a it's a real big we'll see, but I'm with you. Joe Dahl should be the starter at, at left guard day one for sure, and I throughout the season. What about that right guard position? Is is Jonah Jackson stepping in rookie season, taking that away from the ghost of Graham Glasgow and and Kenny Wiggins, or or does Wiggins kind of put up a big fight there, or, or does Halapuli Vati Vaitai potentially slide in? I don't, I don't really know who they'd have at tackle to replace him, so seems like an unlikely option. But how do you see the right guard position playing out? Yeah, I, I'm with you. I see Big V. At, at, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his name. I see Big V at <laughs> right. I like to show it off. It's bad enough I have to write it. It's bad <laughs> enough that I have to write it. Uh, I see him staying at right tackle, but no, I think that this is a perfect opportunity for Jonah Jackson to to come in and start. Uh, Kenny Wiggins is just a liability, man. Uh, now, if you want to do the rotating thing there with with Wiggins and Jonah Jackson and keep it just specific to the right guard, while Jonah. Uh, sort of develops and I'm all for that, but I think that you, you take a guy that early and I believe that they traded up for him. If I'm not mistaken, uh, you, you, you're going to start that guy right away. Um, yeah, I do think they're, they are going to start him right away as well. I, I just, I don't know. I, the thing is, I know this team really likes Kenny Wiggins too. Um, the question is, whether he's going to be fully healthy, he's coming off that shoulder uh, injury that caused surgery, but um, they brought him back. And the fact that they brought him back and the fact that they, they put him in front of a podium last year and the fact that they rotated him in last year shows to me that this team likes Kenny Wiggins a heck of a lot more than fans do. And a lot more than PFF probably does too. So I think, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Wiggins start at the beginning of the year while, while Jonah gets kind of his, his feet acclimated, so to speak. But, but personally speaking, I think, I think it's going to be Jackson's job to lose eventually. Maybe, maybe not the first day of camp. They probably have Wiggins in there the first day of camp, but um, Jonah Jackson, a high enough draft pick where you can expect rookie year contributions. I think that should mean he's a starter. Um, so let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. Cause really you look everywhere else on the offense, Quarterback, there's not much. There's obviously no question who the starter is. Wide receiver, you got your top three already right away. Um, tight ends, pretty pretty much set in stone as well. So defense, I would say defensive line is kind of set unless they add someone. You know, Danny Shelton's your nose tackle. Deshaun Hands kind of your three to five tech. Your Ashawn Robinson role, so to speak, and then Trey Flowers is is your edge guy on the right side there. 
But once we move back another level, I would say linebacker is anything but settled. I don't think you could decisively say any player is a starter in any specific position. I think obviously a guy like Jamie Collins is a starter, but where are you starting him? Are you starting him at Jack? Are you starting him in the middle? Are you cutting him? Is, is he your Sam linebacker? Is he, is he off ball on ball, whatever? Like there's so many questions. I think the biggest question though, is that Jack linebacker, because you have last year's draft pick Austin Bryant in contention there. You have this year's draft pick uh, Julian O'Quara. And like I said, Collins can play a little bit of Jack. So day one, who who is starting at that position? And, and does it even? I mean, maybe the the greater question is: Does it even matter? Are they going to be rotating guys so much that naming someone a, a specific starter at Jack linebacker is kind of a fool's errand because it's not going to be a situation like Kennard where he's playing 90 percent of the snaps there. I think Julian Acquara was made to play Jack linebacker. I, I mean, I, he's just he has the size and the speed and and everything that you want for somebody who's going to play that position. I think day one, it's him all the way. I think you you put Jamie Collins in the middle where he should be, and you've got a pretty pretty decent look there. Austin Bryant's a fine player and everything, and I think that he's going to be a, a, a guy, a utility guy that that can kind of do some things. But Aquara is is just he's ready to go, and that was an absolute steal of a pick. If he can stay healthy, the, I mean, the Lions essentially got a, a, a first round pick. It, you know. On day three, that's that's a big deal, and, and I think when you get a guy like that, you got to play him. Yeah, it's it's a really intu- interesting situation, and I I don't know how it's going to play out at all. I do feel like there's going to be a lot more rotation than we saw last year, and so they may not want to throw Aquara to the Wolves right away. Um, it, it, it's it's a complicated defensive scheme, and while I agree with you, like he's the perfect fit there at Jack and, and he's also a mega talent, like you said, potential first round guy, had he not suffered that leg injury. Um, the lions have a situation in which they can, they can take it slowly with him. They don't necessarily have to throw him in there right now. Now the big question is what kind of step does Austin Bryant take in year two, because injured all of the, the preseason, all of training camp, essentially, or I think literally the first day of training camp, he got injured. Um, didn't play until November, December, and, and didn't really show much. So he obviously needs to take a big step for, for any of this to be, to happen, to, to push Aquara back on the depth chart. He needs to take a big jump. Um, but I, I, I do, I really think, and maybe this is just me buying in um, to, to the Kool-Aid that we've, we've bought in for each of the past two years. I really think there's going to be a lot of rotation here. I really think this team is going to be very multiple in that, we aren't just going to have a standard starting Jack linebacker. We're going to see so many guys rotate in and out. And the lions finally, in, in my opinion, have the linebacking personnel where they can be multiple. They can be variable. They can be unpredictable, which is something this team has been trying to do for so long. And they either didn't have the personnel or they, they got hit with the injury bugs last year. But I think adding Okwara to this camp battle that that includes Brian. And as I've been saying all off season, the addition of Jamie Collins makes them so versatile because he can play any of the positions. He can rush the passer. He can drop into coverage. He can, you know, fill gaps in the run game. Whereas there, there wasn't anyone else on this linebacking roster that can do that. There, there still might not be like the closest might be Okwara. Um, but the fact that, that he can play any of those positions means we're going to see so much movement there. And I'm, I'm really excited to see it. So to answer the original question, who's going to be your starting Jack linebacker? My, my answer is kind of like everybody. I know that's a kind of a cop out, but I just, 
I really think there's going to be so much movement there that, that calling someone a starter is just, just going to be something we do just for a box score. That's it. Yeah, no, I, I, I could totally see how that, how that would play out. I think my biggest question at linebacker is, is Jared Davis. What, what is he yeah. going to be doing yeah. this year? Uh, it's a great question. I mean, he, he this is a guy that has an, has the ability to get to the quarterback. So you can potentially, you know, put, you know, line him up uh, as a Jack, but he can't do anything in coverage. So you can't line him up as a Jack. <laughs> So it's, it's really, it's really, that's the biggest question. I think as far as linebackers go, what do you do with Jared Davis? And is Jared Davis on this team week one? He, he has to be. And I think the lines made a big statement this week by when they rolled out the first two players to talk to the media this week, it was Matthew Stafford and it was Jared Davis. I know they just declined his fifth year option. I know actions speak louder than words, but this team absolutely still believes in Jared Davis. I'm sure of it. I'm sure that they think he still has it in him. I know Jared Davis still thinks he has it in him. And, and we all made jokes on Twitter when he said, you know, what part, what parts do you need to improve on your game? And he says, well, we can always get better in the run game. I need to get better in the run game. And I haven't been able to show it, but I know I have good coverage skills and I need to make sure that, that you know, manifests itself on the field. And you say, okay, so you need to improve in the running game. You need to improve in coverage. Well, what the hell else is there in a linebacker? I get it. Hilarious. Yes. Um, but this team believes in him. They, they wouldn't put him out in front when they know all he's going to do is answer questions about his fifth year option, which no one really wants to do. Um, they, they made a statement and I, I really do think he's going to be a, a major part of this offense, a defense um, might be a major part of, of opposing offenses. Hopefully not. Uh, but I mean, the, the question is where, and I think you brought it up. Does, is he, does he play a little Jack where he, he mostly rushes the passer on obvious passing downs? Um, does he still stay in the middle and use, you know, his, 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 uh, his devotion to the game, his devotion to the style of play, to the scheme. Does he use that, those skills to, to still kind of call plays and all that sort of stuff? Because we know the guy is going to put in the research and do everything he can to understand it's just a matter of like doing, but, but having that mind that is so devoted to the defense, I think is, is, is valuable to have a middle linebacker that, that, that'll do that. Yeah. I think, I think this guy, I mean, from what I know about Jared and, and any time that I, you know, had the pleasure of talking to him or interviewing him or what have you, the, the dude really cares. I mean, he, he is like, a, he obsessed with trying to get better. He just, he just has a problem with execution. This is a guy that can rush the passer. Like, I mean, how many times did you see on your TV screen, Jared Davis almost hitting the quarterback? If this guy <laughs> could just wrap up, if he could wrap up, you would see a guy that would shoot from, he's not a very good linebacker to like, holy crap, this dude's a pro bowler. Like all he, all he needs to do is just learn how to tackle. And he I is hate there. To- I hate to make a superhero reference and I might even botch it because I'm so bad at superhero stuff, but he's essentially like Cyclops without the little thing covering his eyes. He doesn't know how to control all of his powers. It just sprays everywhere and it's chaos. If he can just get one of those visors and just like hone in on what he does well, he could be a good linebacker, but we're, I mean, we're already three years into his, in his NFL career. And and I'm starting to believe that there isn't such a visor that exists for Jared Davis. It's it's just uh, it's very. Did I get that right? <laughs> really? Oh, you nailed it, man! When, yeah. Whenever Cyclops takes that thing off, 
he has no control over his eyes. Yeah, that's that's Jared Davis, essentially. <laughs> All right, last one before we head to our first break. Um, let's talk about the safety position a little bit because I think we can all agree that Tracy Walker will continue to be a starter. A lot of people expect this to be a breakout here where he potentially puts his name in the elite category, um, maybe even like a Pro Bowl season. Um, but the addition of Duran Harmon kind of muddles things a little bit. Um, will Harris, high draft pick, entering his second year, um, does he still assume a starting role? Does Duran Harmon? jump him immediately and become, you know, kind of the free safety, the more coverage safety. Um, are they are all three just going to be on the field so much that again, we're kind of splitting hairs here and they're all going to be considered kind of starting level uh, guys. How do you see the safety position playing out? Well, I, I, I tend to lean towards the latter. Um, I think that you're going to see a lot of different looks uh, with the safety position, but you know, having said that you, you, you don't go out and get, uh, Duran Harmon, it, you know, a guy who's familiar with the the scheme and who's played with Patricia before, even though it was a short period of time, uh, and and not have that guy be your starter. I just, you know, Will Harris is is a great player, and I think that he's got a lot of a lot ahead of him. And but for the time you have Harmon right now, I think you know this is like I said, this is a guy familiar with the coaching staff, familiar with the scheme. I think you got to roll with him as your day one starter. And maybe he's he's a guy that sticks. Yeah, I'm with you 100% there. Um, the Lions seem very excited about this trade. Daron Harmon seemed very excited about this trade. And I mean, if, if, we're, if we're being completely honest, Will Harris did not have a good rookie year. And um, it, it's kind of hard to see exactly what his role is right now because he is kind of a similar player to Tracy Walker. But we saw so much more out of Tracy Walker in his rookie year that I think Will Harris is is definitely going to take a backseat to Jerron Harmon. Um, they'll still get him out there a lot. I'm, I'm be honest though. I'm a little concerned about the depth of this position um, as much. Whoops. Sorry about that. As much as we, uh, as we like, you know, those three guys as our starters, who else are we talking about is like J Ron curse CJ Moore. Well, I, I think, you know, at- I think I may be a tiny bit partial to CJ, but uh, I think that CJ has the possibility, you know, just talking with that guy, he's a lot like Jared Davis in the sense that this is a guy that only wants to get better. Yeah. And he, he did, he did enough last year to make the team. And when he was out there, he didn't, he didn't completely fold and the, the world didn't burn down whenever he was out there for injuries last year. So I think that obviously he's not ready to start and I don't know if he ever will be. We'll see that, that, that's for the future to tell, but I think that's a guy that is going to be on the team uh, this year. And I think he's a guy that you can flex in, in certain situations, especially ones that require speed because the guy is pretty fast. He's a speedy dude. Um, and that's why they use him on special teams a lot. And he, he's a great special teams player. I think he has a role for this team. No doubt. Um, it's just to me, like the difference between a special teams player and a potential backup is, I mean, there's a gap there and I don't know if CJ Moore can, can jump that gap. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. There's, there's just not enough evidence of it yet. Um, barely played any defense, any defense last year. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, but when we come back, we're going to talk about some of those depth roles, some of those guys that are going to be playing on offense or on defense, but not necessarily the starter position in the camp battles that might happen between now and the beginning of the season. So stick with us more roster battles. When we come back on the POD cast.
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back on the POD cast talking roster battles with Mike Payton. That's at POD underscore Payton. Got it right that time. Let's tell it on the second. <laughs> Let's talk some depth because while we all pay attention to the starters, depth plays a key role when you get into November, December. We saw it happen last year. We saw what happened when the Lions had to rely on their depth. Wasn't great but they're going to have to make some key decisions before they even get there this year, because I do think this team is maybe a little bit more deep than it was last year. Let's start on offense. Let's start at running back. I think this is the camp battle that that has already received the most amount of talk and maybe they keep both players. Maybe they don't, but Ty Johnson versus Jason Huntley, two young speedy backs that can both contribute in special teams. Who is going to win that job? Or do you see both of them kind of making that 53-man roster? I think it's Huntley. I really do. Uh, he's a guy that has some uh, some return um, capabilities that Ty Johnson doesn't have. He's a little bit faster than Ty Johnson. Um, and, you know, Ty, I just didn't see what you – know, I really thought that Ty Johnson was going to be something to – watch last year and he just didn't do it for me and it was kind of disappointing because I thought that that was going to be an absolute steal and he was going to turn out to be you know the guy that was going to fill in while everybody was off injured but he just did not turn out that way and it got to the point where they really just stopped even trying to use him uh so I I'm going to go with Huntley I, I think just because just because mostly he has uh capabilities to be a return man and I think that's what keeps him yeah, I, I think Ty Johnson can give a little bit that to you, a little bit of that to you too. But I, I mean, this is a really tough one because the the way that they, the the only reason I'm picking Huntley over Ty Johnson is the way the coaching staff talked about Jason Huntley and talked about how they expect. I mean, they brought up the name JD McKissick, and Ty Johnson was unable to kind of take over that role last year from JD McKissick at any point in the year, and while. Ty Johnson had a really good last game of the season, basically as a runner was a non-factor, was not very good, did not prove that he can run between the tackles. And I'm not saying Jason Huntley can at, at five, nine and you know, under 200 pounds. That's a concern. I don't know. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to run between the tackles very often, but is he that gadget player that gets five to 10 snaps a game 
where you can use either as a decoy or as a guy that's in motion running all around as, as either a decoy as a receiving option. Yeah. I do kind of see that in Jason Humphrey's game. And I, and while I think Ty Johnson could potentially do something like that, it never seemed to me like the lions had aspirations for him. Like they do Jason Huntley. And that's why I think I'm, I'm giving the early nod to Jason Huntley. It's possible that they keep both, but to me, that's a little too much, too redundant. I think you only keep four running backs, especially if you keep a fullback, which I expect them to do. I think if you, you get, you got carry on, you got Swift, you got Bo Scarborough and you got a fullback. That's already four backs. I, I, I think adding two more to, to move that to six is, is just too much. I think Jason Huntley and Ty Johnson are just a little bit too redundant for each other. And like I said, I'm, I'm giving the small edge to, to Jason right now. Totally All right. Agree. So let's move on to the next one. Let's talk about wide receivers. Um, like I mentioned in the last segment, you got your top three already settled with uh, Galladay Jones and uh, Amendola. Wide receiver four, debatable, but let's just throw Marvin Hall in there for now since he was so productive last year. Let's say the Lions keep five wide receivers. Who is sliding into that fifth spot? Is it Quintus Cephas? Is it Chris Lacey who was in that spot most of last year? Is it Travis Fulgham, a guy they drafted last year? Or is it maybe a newcomer like Geronimo Allison? Um, I think this is a really interesting battle full of a bunch of guys that both young and, and old and, and guys that kind of bring similar and dissimilar things. Who do you like out of that group to potentially be that wide receiver five? If the lines even decide to keep five. You know, I think, I think Allison is the first guy out. I think he's the first receiver of that group cut. And I think that that might be some, somewhat of a surprising statement, but I just don't see it with that guy at all. Uh, Cephas, I mean, they, the Lions just went out and drafted him. He, he has some ability. Alex Reno did an excellent thread on everything that he can do. I think that that's probably your guy that's going to be the number five receiver when it's all said and done. Uh, Chris Lacey should have a little bit of an edge because again, he was here last year at Fulgham is a guy that the lions should not let walk away. They should practice squat him if they need to, or if they want to carry a six receiver, I think Fulgham should be that guy. I there. I'm telling you, there's something to that guy, man. He is going to be something if he can improve and develop correctly. The size of that guy, I, I, I'm a guy personally who likes big receivers, so I, I am a fan of Travis Fulgham. <laughs> yeah, I mean, here's the thing: like, I, I want, I want to be the guy that like tugs everyone back a little bit from all the Quinnesifus hype. I really do because. Because I think, I don't know, just in general, I don't think his skill set is, is that eye-popping. I do like the fact that he can make a lot of contested catches. I do think that he probably should have gone a little bit earlier in the draft, so it was it was good value for Lions getting him. But my biggest question is, where does he fit in terms of special teams? That, to me, is going to be the, the, the make-or-break factor in whether he's a, a big part of this offense or not. Like... I'm talking active on game day. I think he's probably going to make the roster, whether it says a wide receiver five or potentially even a wide receiver six. I'm not entirely sure, but in order to do that, he needs to provide something on the field. He needs to be a special teamer in some sort of way. And I don't necessarily see it in his body type or in his history. Um, not to say a guy like Chris Lacey is much either. I mean, he, he basically only played 75 
uh, special team snaps, according to PFF last year, which is not a lot. Um, and only did it in six, seven games. So he doesn't have a ton of competition there. I think that's where maybe, I think maybe that's where a guy like Geronimo Allison could slip in. He's, he's kind of more of a speedy type that you might value a little bit more on special teams. Um, but I, I, I think, you know, still factoring in what he brings to the team. I, I think it's going to be between him and, and Chris Lacey, honestly, both of them kind of just mild on the special team value. Both of them pretty good at contested catches. They did show a lot of faith in, in Chris Lacey last year. So I think he'll start in training camp ahead of Cephas on, on the depth chart, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Cephas take it away from him. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that, like you said, Lacey played here last year and he, he is decent on special teams. I, I, I think I'd probably go with that over the, over what I originally said. So I'm yeah. going to change my answer. There you go. Uh, all right, quickly before we move to defense, let's talk about fullback versus tight end. I, I referenced the fullback position a little bit. Nick Bauden could potentially be that fifth or sixth back that they keep, but they also have a different option. They could keep Isaac Nauta, who played a little bit of that fullback role last year, also bring some versatility, obviously, as a tight end and kind of save a roster spot there and then maybe use it on something with someone like Hunter Bryant, one of the, the more highly respected, I, I guess, um, undrafted free agents that the Lions brought in. Where do you stand on the on the Baudic ver, bought in versus Isaac Nauta debate here? Because I think that's one that we're going to be talking about come uh, come August. Yeah, I don't think Baudin should be worried. Um, I, I think he's a pretty capable fullback. I know Nauta has the ability to play fullback, but I, I really, I think that the Lions shouldn't get too cute on that. Just Stick with the fullback. Bond's the guy. I don't see a place for, for Nada, really. Um, he, I just don't see anything that he's good at. And I feel really bad saying that, I guess. But uh, Or, you know, the other method would be to um, and go out and get Danny Vitale and let's go win a Super Bowl. <laughs> you love that <laughs> I mean, guy. I, I've been saying... He's a super back, man. Do you understand? The guy can play receiver, tight end, full back, and running back. Why is he no one using this guy? It just boggles my mind. Like Green Bay has a chance to just have a superstar over there, and they're just they're gonna wind up cutting him. Could be our chance. But this is a tough just fine at the fullback spot. This this one's a tough one for me because Bodden came in with a lot of hype. Obviously, lost his rookie season. Played last year, did just kind of okay. I would say maybe even a little poorly. Um, but Isaac Nada to me has shown nothing really to show me he's capable of of being that fullback. Now, is is it that the question really becomes is it that important um, with all the talent that you have? at running back, how often are you really going to want to put a fullback out there? And, and I think that's a question worth raising. Is it just going to be in potential goal line situations? And if that's the case, if you're talking about a guy that's only getting five snaps a game, then yeah, I'm kind of leaning just, just use Isaac Nada. Just have him active every game day and don't use him much at tight end. Just use him as the occasional, you know, fullback. And then, and then maybe that, that frees up a roster spot to bring in, 
either another fullback or, or maybe you want that extra running back on the roster. Maybe you want to keep Ty Johnson and, and Huntley. Maybe you want to bring in another defensive lineman. We know, we know Matt Patricia likes to keep a lot of defensive linemen on the roster. And so part of me is like, you know what, let's play a little money ball with your roster spots and say, you know what, Nick Bauden, you, you gave it your, your best shot. Turns out we don't really value the fullback position as much as we thought we did. Turns out we have a guy that can do that and more in Isaac Nauta. We know Isaac Nauta is working out with Matthew Stafford. Maybe that's going to give him an edge up. You never know. Um, but to me, I, I'm just, I actually put out my 53 last week and I, I believe I had the opposite of what I'm saying, but right now I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning more towards keeping Isaac Nauta and, and, and let Nick Bowden find somewhere where he can find a bigger role as a, as a fullback somewhere else. Yeah, I, I just I, I I don't know, man. I yeah, I think that it's really not that important. <laughs> and I'm sorry, right. I know there's a big fullback contingency out there, but like if this team didn't have a fullback at all, I don't think I would lose a second of sleep over it. But <laughs> I I just don't I just don't see not a like you said he's showed nothing to to make me. Th- I mean he he was. You barely even knew he was on the team last year. So I don't know why we're talking about throwing him into anything at this point, but we'll see. I mean, if he can block, if he can be a lead rusher or, you know, kind of a lead blocker rather, we'll see. I I just don't know. I I don't know. We have to wait and see pretty much. Danny Vitale. Let's let's stop it. Let's move to, to the defense. Let's talk backup nose tackle. Now, I know when I say those words, backup nose tackle, everyone's like, why are we even talking about this? Who cares? Well, backup nose actually got a fair amount of snaps last year. You, uh, we, we all love Damon Harrison and, and he did a great job, but uh, John Atkins had a pretty significant chunk of snaps last year. And now he has some competition with the Lions uh, sixth round pick. I believe John Pensini. We had to fit some Pensini talk in here because we're a big fan of, of, of Pensini here. And um, we know if uh, we know other teams uh, have Penasini envy that they don't have him. So um, let's, let's talk about it. Does, does John Penasini come in here? Is he the nose tackle right away? Does he have to earn it? Does he spend a year on the practice squad? W- what are your thoughts uh, on, on him and his 2020 uh, contributions? Let me tell you, I think Penasini is a good, stiff, hard, you know, guy that can really get elongated in there. And just, I'm telling you, when that guy is standing straight up, there is nothing. I mean, he can penetrate anything. He can penetrate anything. I really do believe that that guy is going to explode all over. Are we, are we going to have to turn this into an X-rated podcast? Oh <laughs> uh, no! I, yeah, I think Pettisini is good. <laughs> yeah, no, he's good. He's good. Uh, I, John Atkins. I, I tend to lean on John Atkins a little bit more. Pettisini yet to 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 go out. I mean, I've watched zero film of Utah football. <laughs> I, I don't know anybody who has. But John Atkins was pretty decent last year in in, in the opportunities that he got, and I. I I think you roll with him and uh, Penasini, you know, could be, who knows? We'll see what he can become, but right now he's a practice squad guy to me. 
Yeah, this is this is really tough for me because I'm I'm slowly becoming a Pennacini fan. I mentioned on last week's podcast and I haven't put the article out yet that I that I talked to the defensive coordinator of Utah about him specifically. And based on everything he told me, this Lions coaching staff is going to absolutely fall in love with the guy. One hundred percent. The question, though, is. Should they? It does. He have the talent to, to warrant that love. Um, he certainly is going to have everything they want personality wise. He's going to be the Jared Davis personality wise, but they want, they need to make sure he's not Jared Davis in terms of talent. And there's some questions about him in terms of his size. It's, he certainly isn't the, um, the intimidating look that his teammate Lakey Fotu was in college, but he's solid against the run for, for his size, which is, you know, 330 instead of maybe the 340, 350 that the Lions like in their nose tackle, he's still really hard to move. And that is what the Lions like in their nose tackles. They, they like a run stuffer guy. Now, his his defensive coordinator will also stand for his pass rushing abilities. I'm not quite the, there yet. But the, the problem here also is like the unproven commodity is always more alluring than just like the mediocre known quality. And John Atkins didn't, wasn't really great last year. The lions seemed to like him a lot and they played him a lot, but he wasn't very good. So you're just like, well, I don't want another year of just kind of okay or even bad. I want this new, you know, I want, I want what's in the box. I don't want the boat. I want what's in the box. And, and John Penicini is the guy in the box. And, um, wow, that sentence anyways, um, <laughs> He, he's, he's an interesting guy and I think he's capable of potentially winning this battle, but I don't think he's necessarily going to win it out of the gate. And so I do think Atkins is probably the guy that initially makes the roster and, and, and Penasini probably does spend some time on the practice squad. I wouldn't be surprised to see him potentially make that jump in, in the middle of the season. Though. I would say though, uh, just kind of right out of the, the gate that Penasini is going to be the camp darling this year. Oh, I, I, I bet that if it's he, possible for a nose tackle to beat <laughs> the problem is like Ellen Moore of this, of this preseason. I'm telling the you, only, the only, the only reason I'll push back on that is defensive linemen can't really make that big of an impression in training camp. <laughs> There's not enough contact no, for no. them to be like, you know what? That's the guy. I think people will fall in love with him when he talks. I think people are going to fall in love with his story, which I'm hopefully going to get up this week. Um, but I mean, it, it's going to be hard for him to stand out in training camp. That's all I'll say. That dude's going to sell jerseys. That dude's going to sell some jerseys. He he might sell some There's jerseys. Kind of at games this year. Mark my all right. All right. Last one before we jump into the mailbag. Uh, let's talk punt and kick returner because Jamal Agnew is a guy had a, t- a kick return touchdown last year, had a punt return touchdown last year, wasn't all pro two years ago, but a lot of people are saying maybe his job's in jeopardy this year because as we mentioned, Ty Johnson, Jason Huntley, both those guys are return guys. Those guys are mostly kick return guys, but the guy, the lines also have some punt return options. Danny Amendola is a guy who took a lot of punt returns last year um, when, when Agnew had some fumbling issues early in the season. So my question is, is Jamal Agnew's job in jeopardy? Does Jamal Agnew make this team? Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think that Jamal should be losing any sleep. I think that Huntley has has some capabilities as a as a return man, but he he really did he, I think he maybe had now I'm probably talking about school here, but I think he maybe had like six returns in all in college. So it's not like 
you know, you look at a guy like Agnew when he was coming out of San Diego State, like you knew that this guy was going to be the return man. You just knew it right away. And yeah, he had a pretty bad sophomore slump. Uh, but I think, and, he, and obviously last year he started the season off a little rough. But I think when it was all said and done, he he's, he's pretty good at his job. I, I don't think that Agnew should be afraid at all. And frankly, you know, if, if they need him to, he could play a little corner. And I think when it comes down to it, and we talked about it running back earlier, the Lions just may have too many running backs to keep either Johnson or uh, Huntley around when it's all said and done. So I, I just think that I think Agnew should be safe. I don't think he's safe. And my reasoning is very simple. You need to be more than a returner in today's NFL. And I don't think Jamal Agnew is, is a capable corner. I don't think, I mean, he's a nickel guy. I don't think he's a capable nickel corner. I, I just don't. I haven't seen any evidence of it when he's co- had to come in a couple times. It hasn't gone well. And I mean, just, just think about the NFL today and how much, how marginalized the kick return game is. You want to know how many kick returns the Lions had last year? 23. Not even one and a half a game. So we're talking about one and a half games per play game plays per game. I kick off punt returns. Wasn't that, that much more 31. So not even two plays a game. So you combine those. We're talking just over three plays per game, three and a half. Let's say. Is is it worth having Jamal Agnew on the roster for three and a half plays a game? I know, I know they can be big plays. The majority of them are not big plays. But even if you get one big play, maybe it's eventually worth it. But I don't think it's worth it anymore in today's NFL. We've just we've become so special teams averse in, in the way this game is played. Kickoffs don't matter anymore. Punt returns only kind of matter. The the best thing you can do for most of your punt returns is just catch the ball and fair catch it. That's about it. That's really all you kind of need in today's NFL. And I know special teamers will get after me and say that's not true, but it kind of is these days. I don't know, man. I think you kind of live and die on on those three and a half plays a game though. I I mean, we're talking about field position here. It's a super important thing. Um, Even if, even if you're just, uh, you know, going out and fair catching it, you know, (laughs) It's such a simple thing, but you got to know where to fair catch it. You know what I mean? You got to know, you just got to, you got to have the right mind frame for that sort of thing. Um, you know, cause there's a lot of guys who will be like, oh, well, I think I'll go for it. Even though that guy's only five yards away from me. But <laughs> I, I just think that you could, like I said, you can live or die on a, on a punt return or a kick return. And I think it's important enough to keep a guy like Agnew around. And, and I know that he hasn't been that great at corner, but he can play some corner. He like he has the ability to do it uh, if they need him to do it. Um, I just don't see. For me, I just don't see how Huntley or Johnson can do it if if we're having questions of whether or not they're going to make the team due to the amount of running backs they're going to carry. It, I mean, if I'm being so right now, I gotta, if I'm being completely honest, this is totally fine with me. Jason Huntley on kickoff returns, Danny Amendola on punt returns, Jamal Agnew and Ty Johnson off the roster. That works for me. No, I, I, you know, I'm, I am not a fan of putting one of your most important players out there on punt returns. I know that it's a lot safer than it used to be, 
but why risk it? I, I mean, why, you know, Amendola is, is by all indications going to be somewhat of a big part of this offense. And last year he was very reliable guy. Why risk putting a, a guy who's almost 40 years old on the return uh, squad when there's a chance he could get hurt? I just, I just, I didn't like it when they did it with Golden Tate. And I don't like it when they did it with Danny Amendola. I'm just not a fan of putting important players in those positions. But then That's again, true. I guess that kind of, almost, when I say important players in that position, it almost kind of goes to the point that you bring up. Is it really that important if we're not willing to put important people there? Yeah, it's, it's a good question to have. It's a good conundrum to have. And we're going to leave you thinking about that as we head to our next break. And when we come back, mailbag with a special guest. Stick with us. We'll be right back on the POD cast. SPOD for all your mailbag questions. And guess who joined us for this last segment? Mr. Ryan Matthews ended up showing up. Hey, buddy. Down in a beer as, as, oh boy, starting a new one. Ryan, you seem like you're in a good mood. Hey, man, I turn 29 tomorrow. So, oh, so by the time you're listening to this, you should be sending Ryan happy birthday tweets, spamming him. I want him to, to get notifications. From the minute he out twelve oh one a.m. all the way one per minute. That's all I ask. Okay, that seems reasonable for you to ask. That seems like a reasonable ask for sure. Perfect. Okay. Well, now now I'm bummed that I didn't know this. I would have like had a a, a birthday themed mailbag, but you know what? We'll be okay. We'll be great. Okay. Uh, so we just talked about the Lions roster. Uh, let's jump into this question that that's very blunt. Hank fan asks, are lines contenders or pretenders with this roster? Ryan, I'm going to let you have the first word because it's your birthday. You. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to say right now that the lions are pretenders. I don't think that they're quite contenders yet. I think that they have to prove themselves before they're anything more than pretenders. Um, and this roster has just a lot of places that it needs to prove itself at. It needs to prove itself at cornerback. It needs to prove itself along the defensive line in terms of being healthy. It needs to prove itself along the offensive line. I think that there are some things that there are some positions where you can say the lines are contenders. I would say that their skill positions make them contenders. Their quarterback, as long as he's healthy, makes them contenders. But there are just too many question marks on the roster for me to label them outright contenders. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I'm with you 100%. I I would add Matt Patricia to the to that list of reasons why they are pretenders right now because uh, all we've heard over the last couple of years is players kind of revolting against him and uh, or they're not agreeing with him or or they're arguing with him or there's silencing of uh, voices and I think that eventually that kind of stuff just catches up and one of these days it's it's going to be too much and and I I'm sorry to say it but I think it's going to be the end of the season. Lions are going to be looking for another coach. Mike Payton, our resident optimist. 
is not feeling too good. Not feeling like this team is contenders. Here's what I'll say. Like, obviously Matthew Stafford is a contender. though. (laughs) I'm with you guys that, you know, it's hard to label this team as anything more than like maybe good because we don't know. We, I mean, a lot, there, there are a lot of like, what ifs that have to happen for this team to really put together a magical season. But the one thing I will say is I do think this team will be a contender every week. And I know that's not really what you mean by contender as in like Super Bowl contender, but I don't see this team being that outmatched on a week to week basis at all this year, because I mean, they weren't last year outside of that one Minnesota game contenders every week. Um, So in that sense, I do think the Lions are contenders and will continue to be contenders. But if we're talking like, Super Bowl aspirations, I'm not there. I don't think anyone really in their right mind is. No, I wonder, Jeremy, how much this season might be might be reminiscent of 2016 in terms of the Lions are going to be in it in every game. Yeah. Are they just going to be able to find a way to win? Right. And I mean, if you have Matthew I'll Stafford, you have a pretty good chance. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I think when you look back at the last year or two, they it, when you for, you know forget the time that that uh, Stafford was out, they were pretty much in every game. Yeah, uh, they just they just can't get to the point where they can win the game, and and that's that's a problem that that's gone on with this team long before Patricia. But I, I just don't know how you solve that. I just I, they always seem to just kind of throw the game at the end. Um, and and that 2016 season was a lot of fun. Yeah. But I think that I think Caldwell had a lot to do with it. Potentially. Personally. I mean, there, there were some, some good coaching moments that he had. Like you think back to the, the Minnesota game, the fact that they were able to get to the line so quickly after that, that play over the middle mm-hmm. and, and right. take the field goal to go into overtime. Like that's, that's coaching right there. That's having them prepared for what they call like the bonsai drill and, and being ready to go in, in the moment's notice and, you know, not jump off sides, not have too many men on. That's a good coaching moment. Um, other times, I mean, sometimes it's just luck. And if luck is on the line side this year, then yeah, I could see them winning a majority of those 50, 50 ball games. Um, whether it be to a, the tune of a 10 and six season, maybe I, I think 11 and five isn't out of the question. It's just a matter of like where, where the die falls and, and, and I think that's I think that's really the difference between a contender and a pretender. I mean, if you're kind of a middle of the pack team, they're obviously contender contenders. Those are the teams that I think we all expect to be really good. Your Chiefs, your I, mean, I was going to say Packers. That's a that's that that might not even be true, but you know the the top Seahawks. tier teams to where Seahawks, yeah. yeah, probably Seahawks too. Um, but let me, let's move on to the next question. Ravens, yeah, they all uh, have one thing in common. Yeah, I I, I, I get I got you. <laughs> Uh, Billy Sims made me do it. Ask which lion do you think will be up for Walter Payton man of the year next year? I think it was an interesting question. Ooh, who is your sportsmanship guy on the team? Last, well, last year was Kennard. I feel like it was Kennard last year. It's definitely not going to be Logan Stenberg. I know that. <laughs> Probably not going to be Logan Stenberg. I agree. <laughs> Probably not going to be him. Um, <laughs> What about Frank Rag now? I don't know. Frank? He seem or or Taylor Decker. Sure. I don't know. They don't seem like they get too many like personal foul penalties. They seem like they're like good upstanding citizens. Well, we I mean at this I think the the best way you get attention for this sort of stuff is like your your work in the community. And I think we saw Ragno as one of the first to donate to um some sort of COVID relief. 
Um, we've seen, I mean, we've seen a score of them. Obviously, the Staffords did a bunch. Marvin Jones did some as well. Um, I think those mm-hmm. two are, are pretty good candidates. Um, Marvin for, Jones would be a really good candidate too. I think, yeah, yeah. Mike, any anyone you see on this roster that that could potentially be up for that award at the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's Matthew Stafford. Uh, the guy is consistently doing things in the community. Uh, he's a hell of a teammate. Everybody in the locker room seems to love him. Um, but yeah, more importantly, he's doing a lot of work in the community always. Uh, yeah. the, the guy is a staple of, of, of Detroit at this point. He's, a, he's somebody that you, you think of when you think of Detroit. So, um, yeah. Assuming he stays here in Detroit. Well, he's selling his house, which <laughs> and he, as long as there's a state that doesn't allow pools and, or and or lakes, he'll be all right. He'll be there. Yeah, he was uh, he was up for it in 2018, and I, I'm kind of surprised he wasn't up for more than that, just because he does seem like a guy that's really active in the community. But um, obviously, safe answer there too. I think. Um, next question comes from: Is this the year, Lions? He asks: Basketball, baseball, football, or hockey? Which sport do you most miss the most right now? And how many all-star kiddos do you think the Staffords will have to field on those teams? Let's just answer the first one between baseball, basketball, football, or hockey, which sport are you missing the most right now? It's a tough, it's a tough call right now between basketball and hockey for me. I think right right now we'd be in the playoffs for both right now. Right. And we'd be in the conference finals for basketball and hockey would be not too far behind. So, um, I even like in the middle of the night last night, I just sent out a tweet and I was like, who has the best resource where I can watch like old hockey games? Because I just got like this, I don't know. I just got this like itch to like watch nineties hockey for some reason. And I just wanted to watch hockey. And so it's a tough call, but I'm going to, I'm going to say, I want to see what's going on in the rink. I don't know. I miss basketball too, though. Baseball can just die a horrible death. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Mike, Mike's nodding his head. What do you, what do you think out of those three sports? I, I was right. I've been telling people I miss sports so much that I would not, I would watch nine innings of baseball. Like that's how <laughs> oh, much I, miss. I, I, uh, dude, I watched college fencing today. I watched college. <laughs> fencing today. All right. uh, but no, for me, it's basketball all the way. I am. If it's not football, basketball is is my number one sport. I, I love it so much. And like Ryan said, we'd be deep in the playoffs right now, which is always fun. It's always a good time. Um, plus, we miss March Madness. It, it, we are just deprived of basketball. But, I mean, the good thing is if you have NBA TV, which most people do, you can watch a lot of old games right now. And obviously tonight we'll watch The Last Dance. So we're getting yeah. some sort of fill on basketball. That's what I was going to say. Like, I'm obviously... I mean, not obviously, but if, if you've listened to me long enough, um, I'm definitely a hockey over over basketball, but I feel like I'm getting a basketball fix anyways with the Lance last dance because it is so much fun to watch. And it's I mean, it's you, you can see like I'm, I'm sure our podcasts, our live podcast numbers are, are down every Sunday because everyone is watching that right now. And I understand it. It's it's very compelling TV. It's done really nicely. And as someone who you know was was probably too young to appreciate everything that was happening at the moment when it was happening, I I'm learning a lot, and it's it's really interesting. But playoff hockey, I mean, is the best playoff. It's the best playoff sport. It, it's it's amazing. I miss staying up till one in the morning 
watching West Coast triple overtime games because it's amazing and it makes it it's so anxiety inducing even even in games i have no stakes in it's just like every shot is just like oh my god this could be it this could be the moment that changes the entire series and man playoff hockey is just it's it's sports at its greatest and i wish i was watching it right now playoff overtime hockey it's like doing cocaine and riding a motorcycle out of a helicopter yes awesome thank you john boys (laughs) <laughs> all right i feel like we have a good panel for this one another one from harrington hof he asks who's a bit better lyricist jay-z or Nas? see this is the only reason why i wanted to show up to the podcast at all whatsoever <laughs> is because i saw this question in the mailbag and i felt like i needed to be on so that i could provide my two cents the floor is here. i i am a really big fan of both of them. I like Nas and I like Jay-Z and it really just depends on my mood in terms of what I want to listen to. But man, like this is a really tough question. This is a really tough question. I I'm going to give the edge to Nas just because he never totally sold out. But like Jay-Z talks about Jay-Z talks about how wealthy he is in a way that just makes you feel really bad about yourself. (laughs) And it's like effective. It's like, man, you do have a lot of money. Like you aren't like me at all. Like you're a billionaire. I get it. Like, wow. Like it's a not so subtle flex, but like, so he's really done a good job of parlaying his wealth and his power and influence into his lyrics in a way that makes you like, Okay, damn, like you are still pretty good at what you do. Nas has kind of fallen off, but like <clears throat> the the problem with Nas is that he has such an awful ear for beats. And like he let a couple of like recent projects just fall by the wayside because he doesn't he doesn't know how to pick beats for himself. So um but that doesn't have anything to do with him as a lyricist. He's a really good lyricist. Done. Mike, the floor is yours. Okay. I gotta go with Jay. Uh Look, man, Nas is great, but he hasn't he hasn't really done anything that has wowed me since Illmatic. And that was a long time ago. I mean, Stillmatic was okay. Yeah, Yeah, Stillmatic was okay when that came out. Uh, But he has not done anything great in so long. And when was the last time he even put out a single? I I, I don't even remember what it was or an album. Uh, Jay it stood the the test of time and he's reinvented himself. And you know, he's just because he has a lot of money doesn't make mean he's always making financial smart, financially smart decisions. I mean, he could have bought a house house in Dumbo, but he didn't. (laughs) If you, if you know the four, 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 you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I am so uh, far out of my uh, element right now. (laughs) I think Jay, and, and if you listen to that Jay electronica album, I mean, you, you'll know right there. I mean, he's, he's been, he's been incredible for so long and he's never, ever been bad. Mm. Except for when he did that New York song. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's let's jump back into some lions talk. Blue engineer asked, is this the best secondary of our lifetime? Top end talent, lots of depth, unless you're older than dirt and remember Lombardi and Dick little bow together. We've never seen a line secondary this good. That's a bold mm. statement, Ryan. Are, are you are you in agreement that the secondary is that good? I'm wondering right now because this question is making me think about a couple of things. One, are we thinking about this talent 
in a vacuum because when you think about the 2014 team that made the playoffs, mm-hmm. they had such an incredible pass rush, which maybe made their back end look a little bit better than it actually was, but it still had players like Glover Quinn and a young Darius Slay and Rasheen Matt Rasheen yep. Mathis was on that team. Yep. Yep. Um, Nevin Lawson was CB three where he belongs. Where he belongs, right? Where he where he oh, rookie, belongs. Yeah. So James Ahedabo too. James Ahedabo, yep. Um, so I mean you had you had some players on that team and you had some guys who I mean Darius Slay wasn't the Darius Slay that we know now, but um I don't know. I mean, it, it really hinges on Desmond Trufant. I think if Desmond Trufant can come in and be a CB one and if he can do his if he can do the best job of being a Darius Slay replacement, then you gotta, you gotta like the depth they have. You gotta like the fact that, you know, Tracy Walker uh, at safety, you gotta like having, you know, you think Jeff Okuda is going to come in and be a, a player and a productive guy from day one. So you have him, uh, Amani Arariye, Will Harris. You, you have some players, Deron Harmon, your favorite acquisition from this offseason. So they do yeah. have a lot of depth. I will give them that, but I wonder if the top end talent is enough. Yeah, I, I think this is a, a huge overreaction. If I'm being honest, like as much as I like pretty much everyone in the roles that they're at, like let's, let's take I feel like this secondary can be really good in a couple of years. We're, we're planning on Jeff Okuda being amazing. to start. If, if we're declaring this one of the best secondaries of all time, you're expecting, you know, everyone to just come out will harris tracy walker jeff okuda all these guys are still in their first three years and you're expecting them to be playing at their heights i think it's going to take a while for those kind of guys and then you think about Duran Harmon again a guy I'm, I'm very excited about but he hasn't really ever had a full-time role where he's getting you know 60 70 80 percent of the snaps which is what i'm expecting in here so even then that feels like a bit of a projection in in terms of what he's going to bring to the team, because he's been kind of more of a supplemental role behind two really good safeties in new England. So I I like the secondary group, but to call it the best of our lifetime is, is jumping way, way, way ahead. I like that 2014 squad a lot more. Is it? I'm only 12. So like, I don't, I mean, (laughs) this is pretty good. Well, 2014 is only six years ago. You were half grown by then. (laughs) I was a full first grader. (laughs) <laughs> what do you what think you Mike, Mike? Uh, there's just too many ifs uh, you, you, you think it could be the greatest if these guys all wind up be, being what we hope they're going to be and Walker and, and Orwarie had, had pretty good seasons last year but can they, can they build off of that can they get better uh, is like Ryan was saying, is true Font going to be able to come in and, and, and at least be a, a good stopgap for a, a short period of time? He's not going to be as good as slay, but can he be a three quarters of slay? Uh, I, I mean, and, and then you, you know, Harmon and there's just too many questions. There's, it's definitely not the greatest ever. I, I would have to go with 2014 for sure. Uh, but right now I think, I think they're, if, if you want to ask a different question, are they in good shape for the future? Absolutely. I think they're absolutely in good shape for the future. And maybe someday they could be the greatest, but right now we just don't know. All right. We got to take a food question because as per tradition, the POD cast, we love to talk about food. Um, critical perspective comes up with a a two-parter that I think is pretty interesting. Um, 
Number one, name a food that you ate a lot in your youth that you now think is disgusting. And then number two, name a food that you ate as a kid that has fallen out of fashion, but which you staunchly still defend as awesome. I have an answer immediately for a food that I completely fell out of favor with. And that is manwiches. My mom used to make manwiches <laughs> all the time. And if anybody like, I'm not even trying to like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful when I go over to people's houses and like manwiches or what's for dinner. Like I'm not going to eat that. I'm going to only eat the sides because I do not eat manwiches anymore. Like I'm not is that all sloppy joes. Yeah, like sloppy joes are pretty like unless we're getting like artisanal, like unless I'm going to like some restaurant and it's like made out of like a deconstructed sloppy joe. Maybe maybe it's like made out of sloppy joe. Maybe it's like made out of lamb or something, but like ground beef sloppy joes are just dog shit. They're terrible. They're so it's like I don't know, it just God bless my mother for like, just, you know, raising me and like having to put up with me. But yeah, that's just not, that's just not what I want to eat. Yeah. Mine for that one is definitely the like ham and turkey and cheese hot pockets, which I devoured as a kid in those little metal sleeves that you put, or not even metal, whatever sleeves that you put in the microwave. Like I can smell those right now. And it it almost induces a gag reflex. I will still stand for the cheese, the cheese and pepperoni pizza versions, but the three cheese, like the cheese and like these cubed ham pieces that are, you know, just have a a ton of uh, preservatives just like, Oh, I, I, Oh no. I don't want to ever see those again or smell those again. Yeah. Mine for this is, is spaghetti. You're done with spaghetti. We ate so much. We We grew up, we grew up kind of poor and noodles and and ragu is pretty cheap. And I think we ate so much spaghetti that I just, if I think about it, it just makes me want to hurl, man. I mean, if it's, if it's fancy uh, spaghetti, that I'd probably eat it, but <laughs> I, I have not found a spaghetti that is fancy. It's it's pretty basic, and I don't want it anymore. <laughs> All right. So what's what's a a, a kid like food that you still stand for mm. these days, though? Mm. You seem mm. ready, Ryan. Give it apple jacks. Apple jacks. I'll <laughs> eat apple jacks until the day I <laughs> die. I swear. Of and course, like, you went cereal. cereal. well why wouldn't i that's just what i do fair enough mike do you have an answer here give me a pop tart you give me a pop tart any day (laughs) of the week i don't care what flavor it is i will eat it pop tarts are just incredible it's just so multi-faceted well give me give me a quick time to Okay, cinnamon and strawberry, all the way, top two, no doubt about it. Although they okay. they just dropped these new pretzel ones, Ooh. and they're pretty legit. Ooh, Ooh okay. that's so legit. That does sound kind of good. I'm not gonna lie. I I stand for the s'mores. Like I s'mores is my jam, but I I respect I like the brown other sugar. Dozen. Brown sugar is a good one. Uh, sure, yeah, that's the. I I hate to stick with like the this the sugary theme, but like. I want some gushers right now. <laughs> gushers. I've, I've, I've thought about gushers for the past two weeks for some reason. Like someone put it in my brain. I don't know if I thought on Twitter or if someone mentioned gushers. I want some gushers. Can you even get those anymore? <laughs> I don't know. 
No, they have not because we used to give them out at summer camp and the kids like they're they're like dope fiends, like showing up, like lining up. Like when you said you had gushers, like these kids would line up and they would get single file as fuck. It's funny because like I in my mind, I want some gushers. But if you were to give me like that squeeze stuff that was literally just liquid sugar, I'm like, ew, gross. No, but but I mean, that's essentially what's inside a gusher anyways. Yeah, but you need that. You need that. Like it's Substance. almost like plastic wrap, like <laughs> that they're encased in bubble wrap with with goo inside. Well, how'd you feel about can, fruit roll-ups, both Mike and Jeremy? Yeah, how do you guys say, feel about fruit roll-ups? Fruit roll-ups? Yeah, I'm all okay. about some fruit roll-ups. I was just about to bring that up. They, they, they deserve to be up there. Fruit roll-up or fruit, fruit by the foot? Which one were you? Be like this was fruit uh, by the foot. Can, can, and fuck right off. Fruit <laughs> fuck right off. Wow. <laughs> it's all about that fruit strong roll-up. Stance. You know what? The fruit roll-ups used to have like a little uh, cut-out pieces that you could peel yeah. out. You remember that? Yeah. I said, fuck that. I just put the whole thing in my mouth. <laughs> Why waste time? I know what I'm here for. Oh, you're the kind of guy that bites into a cheese oh. stick, don't you? Exactly what I was thinking. A cheese stick. A cheese a stick. Oh, yeah. Cheese. I feel it. Why, why are you guys oh, peeling God. cheese sticks? Right. Who the hell had we, time for that shit? We definitely got to get to the old. end of this before I get mad. I, <laughs> See, I can't talk any cheese sticks with you, whether they're deep fried or not now. Like now I just know that's a topic I can't, I can't approach. <laughs> All right, last question before we, we get out of here. Son of Spartacus asks, let's make this back to football. Which team will go worst to first in its division this year? It happens almost every year. And one of the reasons the NFL is great to watch. Let me give you the eight options. We're talking Dolphins, Bengals, Jaguars, Chargers, Lions, Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals. Which of those eight do you think has the best chance of going worse first? For me, the first three that stood out were Chargers, Panthers, and Cardinals for some reason. Um, Cardinals? Now the Ooh, that's Car- a tough division. Card- Cardinals are in a tough division, but when you get the best receiver in the NFL added to your team. I mean, that's, that's going to be a huge boost to their offense. Um, the Panthers, that NFC South just seems kind of weak. Maybe like, I mean, I, I know, I I, I mean, this, I mean, the saints are good, but Drew Brees is no Teddy Bridgewater. And then, um, the chargers, I feel like the Chargers, you could see an uptick. I mean, they get a healthy Derwin James back for an entire season. Um, they they maybe, taking the Chiefs you know, down? I don't know. Maybe. It's not the Lions. It's not the Jaguars. The Jaguars are a tire fire, dude. I don't it's know. What do you think, Jaguars. Mike? Uh, I like the Cardinals, too. I, I really do. I think Kyler Murray is going to step up. Uh, I, I like the pickup of DeAndre Hopkins. That's, I mean, that, that really makes a difference when your quarterback has somebody to throw the ball to. Uh, if they can get a good run game going, I think they got some in their defense really didn't, they didn't lose anybody. They, uh, you know, they've got a solid defense. I think they could, they think they could do it, but that is a really tough division. Um, and you know what? What the hell? Say it. Let's throw the Lions in there. Oh, listen, there are only two that jumped out at me and one of them is the Lions. 
Yeah, I, I'm just looking at the rest of the division. Yeah. And it looks really bad right now. Uh, the Vikings lost everyone. And and they got like nothing. They picked up nobody. Uh, the Packers didn't do anything other than start the process of replacing their all-pro quarterback, uh, which they should do at some point anyways. The Bears are <laughs> the Bears are the Bears. Nick Foles, is Nick Foles gonna come out there and 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 swing that big old dick around and start winning divisions? I don't think so. You're gonna find out it ain't that big real quick. <laughs> I, I just I just like I like I like the Lions enough to to think that there's a chance they could win their division. But we all called them pretenders at the beginning of this mailbag. Well, yeah, they're not gonna win the Super they're, Bowl or either win a playoff in game, a division but, but, full of pretenders. Everyone in that division is a pretender. Yeah, everybody's pretenders. They could easily uh, injuries could easily allow them to limp their way into a first place finish. And I will celebrate it like we were 16 and 0 doing it. <laughs> Listen, I you guys, seven and nine NFC North champions. You guys missed the right answer here. All of you, even in the chat, I didn't see one person say the Miami freaking Dolphins. No way. What? Who is going to win that division? The Jets? No, the, the yeah. Bills? The, no, uh, hey, no, the it's, bills. Over. it's over. The bills, the Get the bills the out of here. No. What are you talking about? The bills, that's their I'm division, sorry. Man. The Dolphins finished the season strong. They got loaded this offseason full of town and free agency and the draft. Oh, it's happening. Who's their, who's their quarterback from the jump? I don't care. Yeah. Oh, you don't care who their no. quarterback is? No. Nope. This is the NFL, baby. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I, well, I, mean, I don't care if, if I don't care whoever they choose. It's going to be fine you, because that is a well-rounded no. team. No, it, you it had to watch it. You, Jeremy, Jeremy, you had it's Jeremy, magic. You had, baby. To, you had to watch eight games of David Blau and Jeff Driscoll. And you're going to say, you don't care about quarterback play. You're going Listen, to hell. They got the right yeah, former Patriots coach. All right. A good the Buffalo Bills. With, We've uh, seen Ryan Fitzpatrick go on strings of of six games where he's throwing four hundred <laughs> yards each game and passer ratings oh. of one hundred and fifty. Cool, cool. They're gonna go six and ten then. No, like Mike said, the yeah, Bills. It, the Bills yeah. made the the Bills made the playoffs last year, and they only got better. They added who, Stephon. Who's their quarterback? Tell me who their quarterback is. Josh Allen. He's got a throwing power of like 98. He'll just cool. throw it and Stephon yeah, Diggs will go get it. He's supposedly the next Matthew Stafford. Supposedly. That's what people say. I, and you know what? You can't count out the Patriots. Man. Seriously, Stidham. Watch out for this fucking Stidham kid. <laughs> it it no, could happen. Could. Jer- look, act like Bill Belichick hasn't turned you know, poo-poo platter into poo-poo deluxe. I mean, that's the only yeah, guy who can make me eat He's getting sandwiches. fired mid-season. He's the only... Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, All right. Jerry's that, insane I think it's right time now. to close out the podcast. Yeah. Mike, thank you for joining us for the POD cast. We missed you. Thank you for, for finally jumping on again. Ryan, thank you for jumping on so that we can yell at you for a little bit here at the end. Oh, quick note on, on our way out. Uh, last week we lost Jerry Stiller. 
this week we lost another comedic uh, icon, in my opinion, Fred Willard, um, one of the best, I think, supporting comedic actors in so many outlets, so many TV, so many movies. So I'm going to end this week's podcast with a quote of his from uh, Best in Show, which is maybe one of my favorite comedy movies of all time. Do you know the difference between a rectal thermometer and a tongue depressor? No? Remind me never to come back to you for a physical. See you next week, everybody.